Hello, it's Nathan here. I'm with my partner in crime, Stewie. Hola. How you doing? Yeah, look, not bad for a Wednesday night. Can't complain. Had a had a day off work, so. Ah, yes. Well, that's good. Always good. You've, you've uh, had a better day than me then, I suggest. Right. Well, I was going to ask you how you are, but I guess I'll... Oh, all oh, right. <laughs> I didn't get to put in as much time for our recording. So this is a bit funny. So this is a little introduction for Blokes Banter 2, which you're about to hear now. We're also recording Blokes Banter 3 tonight, which we'll do straight after, which will be next week. Just a quick note, though. You might not hear Blokes Banter 2 because you might turn off. Well, assuming you go beyond this little bit here. Please, yes. please do. Yes, please, please, please do. Now, before we do, though, I just wanted to kind of reflect on game six of the NBA finals, because obviously when we recorded last Wednesday, I hadn't seen the game, so I only knew the results. And now I've had the benefit of, of having seen the game. And it was it was a really good closeout game, wasn't it? And And one of the things that occurred to me really quickly was it felt like a game seven. And that's not a good sign for Phoenix because if it was a game seven, there's only one team that could have won because Milwaukee had three wins and Phoenix only had two. So I did know the result, but it just had this game seven feel to it, this closeout game feel to it, even at the beginning. And full credit to Phoenix because they held on. It was a seesawing game back and forth. It was very entertaining. Um, well, I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that Milwaukee wanted to play with that sense of urgency that we don't want it to go to game seven no, because yeah. anything can happen then. Yeah. And so. being at home, that was their best chance. And they had 65,000 odd fans in Deer District, which was quite remarkable. Just again, just sprawling crowds of COVID. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> zero masks. Yes. Zero distancing. Honestly. But it was, the Bucks got out to like an early 15 ish point lead, but then Phoenix got ahead by like seven in the second. Hmm. So it was a really, it was a really interesting game. So we talked about Bobby Portis and and how I heard on, I think it was The Ringer, one of the blokes kind of compared him to James Posey. And he definitely had that feel to him, but he also had a bit of Rashid Wallace, Ron Artest and Dennis Rodman in him too. Well, he's he's got a bit of mongrel in him. (laughs) Yeah, he He, does. He He certainly does. He's always up for a a fight if need be. He's he's a great guy to have on your team. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure Nikola Mirotic probably wouldn't agree with that. But Oh, uh, yes. Well, yes, that's an interesting case. I I guess they always said that he adds a bit of punch off the bench. Yeah, well, hey, even uh, Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambier got into fisticuffs back in the day. So it it can happen. But the the, the other interesting point for me, and the, uh, the reason I refer to these other blokes, is because, and granted, he didn't foul him. But you know that call where they called a foul on him and he's just gone, what? His eyes have popped out of his head and he's goose-stepped along <laughs> yeah, the entire length did, of the court. He did the David Campese. Yeah, or the, the uh, I don't know, the uh, John Cleese, you know, the Monty <laughs> Python School of Funny Walk. But uh, they teed him up for it too. And Chris Middleton went over to him and he was like, dude, this is game six. Like, you know, yes, you didn't foul him, but you don't need to give away a tech mm. here. So that was interesting. And then he had that moment with Chris Paul. Like, so we all know about the Chris Paul, Scott Foster thing and that weird stat where Chris Paul never seems to win games officiated by Scott Foster. Well, he's now lost the, his last 12 playoff games involving Scott Foster and he's now two and 16. It's remarkable. In his career with yeah. Scott Foster. yeah. And so he got pissed off with him at one point, and Bobby Portis just stood in the way and created a bit of a wall. Yeah, Do you remember that? That was bizarre. Really nice though, because it looked like Paul was probably going to get ejected. He would have done something. <laughs> well, stupid, that's that's so. an interesting take, actually. That's a fair point. But yeah, Portis had this massive grin on his face. I thought that was that was quite quite funny. The other thing I noticed, and I don't know, you've it's been a while since you've seen it now, so I don't know if you'll remember. But there was a shot where, and look, in the grand scheme of things, it's potentially only affecting one point. But with the scores 90-84, Chris Paul takes a jumper. 
and it's hanging around the rim and it's got backspin on it. It could have fallen in. And Mikael Bridges actually tipped it out. I actually don't even remember that. And, and again, he hit both free throws, so it's main, maybe only one point difference. But I found that interesting. And Chris Paul gave him a high five. It's like, oh, maybe Chris Paul didn't realise that that one might have dropped. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and the other thing that really stuck out to me was, I don't know if you saw the before and afters with Giannis. So they showed him when he was 2013, <sighs> when he was first drafted. It's a twig. Oh, it, like he is literally like, turned into a man in that uniform. Like, it's incredible how much he's grown, how how much his hands have grown. Someone's literally- Chiseled, yeah. Like, chiseling him out of stone as they've gone through that time, yeah. It's it's amazing, yeah. Even, it it still seems weird seeing a guy be a rookie and then several years later be taller. Yep. It just still blows me away, probably because I never grew after about- 13. But a lot of a lot of blokes do still grow into their early twenties, yeah, and he grew a lot. Like it's quite remarkable. Grew those blokes, honestly. <laughs> <sighs> honestly. Oh dear. But one of the stats we didn't mention. We've got a few other stats that we didn't mention. But one of them we, that we didn't mention was he's one of only three guys, along with Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon, to have won a Defensive Player of the Year, a Finals MVP, and an MVP. And when you throw in an All Star Game MVP, only him and Jordan have done it. And look, All-Star Games are bullshit, so I don't really put too much credence in that. But it's it's quite remarkable. And people, it's it's really weird to be talking about a guy's legacy at the age of only 26 when he could be in the league for another 10 plus years. But geez, he's building a resume, isn't he? Well, there's a couple of other things that we should mention. So power forwards in NBA history with multiple MVPs and a finals MVP, Tim Duncan and Giannis. That's it. Players with multiple MVPs, defensive player of the years and finals MVPs. Michael Jordan and Giannis. Yep. Players with a most improved player, a most valuable player, defensive player of the year and finals MVP, Giannis. Just Giannis. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So this this is the thing. We, we're looking at him as a 26-year-old and we could easily make the case that he is the second best power forward in the history of the game. But some people might say he's the best player in the world. I don't know if I would go that far, but he's top five, definitely. I, I, it's having seen the 50, like 50s in closeout games are so rare. Only Bob Pettit has done it. And that was what, 1958? 1958, I think, yeah. And, and very few blokes have had a 50 in a finals game, let alone a, a closeout game. Closeout, exactly. So to actually, so it was impressive when I heard about it, when I read about it, all that, but to actually see it. It was super impressive. And I know that we often, in grand finals, they often fizz out a little bit. Like often one team will kind of just steamroll over another. There might be a sweep in basketball or often AFL grand finals, like they're often blowouts. But geez, we've been spoiled in the NBA, haven't we? There's been so many good NBA finals in the last decade. They really have, yeah. I mean, I think this was what the league needed, though, was two small market teams. Absolutely. Just going at it and... Yeah, everyone can look at it now and Giannis is now vindicated as I'm going to stay in Milwaukee. I'm not going to test the big markets in New York or LA or whatever. And look at that. He now is an NBA champion and a hero in Milwaukee. He's pretty much what would would basically would just be him and Aaron Rodgers, I guess, is the... The two, uh, the, Brett Favre. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Are you talking yeah, about like, like Mr. Wisconsin? Oh, at the moment, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you can you can add Brett. Let's get out Brett Favre. Yeah, so um, like the big three. And then I guess you could add like Reggie White uh, for the Packers as well in the NFL, and I guess to a lesser extent Oscar Robertson as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he is absolutely in Milwaukee folklore, Wisconsin folklore for yeah. sure. So yeah, look at 26. I think he's already built a case for being the second best ahead of Carl Malone. By the time all is said and done, it's pretty much guaranteed based on the fact that he's won a championship now. He will pass Malone for probably all NBA first teams. I'd 
probably pass him for all-star appearances, all of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, so, so Malone scored a lot of points in the regular season, but even when he went championship chasing, he still couldn't get one. Yeah. So great to see a bloke stay in the same city, actually have a bit of resilience and, and actually fight for a championship rather than run after it like everyone else seems to do. And I think probably one story that I've read, which I think really sums him up perfectly as a human being, Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about his free throws, and he was phenomenal in the closeout game, 17 of 19. And again, just after hurting his knee. Yes. There's so many things that make it so amazing. There are. Contextually. But I read this story that said that he actually practiced his free throws by making his coaches and his girlfriend, whilst carrying their baby, run every time he missed a free throw. And it's it's basically said that for him, seeing people pay for his mistakes was absolute torture. And he went 17 of 19 in game six. So proof is in the pudding. And there's been some great stories. And someone's written a book, actually, um, that I'll be keen to get my hands on. But he, growing up in Greece, he lived in a really poor family. He used to have to sell stuff on the streets for his family. There's stories about him pretending he ate. So his dad would not eat so that the family could eat. But Giannis would do the same thing. He would pretend he'd eaten because his dad wouldn't let him give away his food. Mm. He'd pretend he'd eaten so that his brothers could have more. Yeah. So he's just he's just a, yeah. a wonderful star, he's, he's a, class, a great face for the league. Class human being. Yeah, just so happy. Yeah. The more I hear about it, the more the happier I am with this outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so a bit of a different one this week, and you'll hear shortly. But one other disclaimer we just wanted to chuck on at the top here. So originally when we recorded this, it was a plan for two weeks off over the Olympics after we'd done it weekly basis for over a year. We planned to have two weeks off over the Olympics. Now, obviously, blokes banned to one. We had to use that during a lockdown. Well, actually, Nathan, some idiot got sick. <laughs> okay, I forget. That, okay. Would, that would be me. <laughs> well, these <laughs> things happen, mate. You, you can't choose. That's what them. happens when you have kids, mate. They yeah. bring everything home. Yeah, so. well, that's right. Uh, so what one now we thought about doing a Simpsons style Mr. Black, uh, you know, <laughs> to replace. So there's a lot of references to last week. And we were silly to actually say that because, of course, nothing ever goes to plan. So we should have known. So whenever you hear the phrase last week, just think of Blokes Banter One. If you haven't heard it already, maybe go back and listen to it before you listen to this one if you're interested. And yeah, here I mean, we go. I mean, the continuity won't really be spoiled if you listen. To no, it no, first. but I guess not. But go on, do it anyway. Yeah, do it. Do it anyway. Do it twice. Do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It's another Sport Bloke special. This week, we share some of our tales from enemy territory. When is it okay to boo? Nath reflects on seeing Kobe Bryant drop 65 while I recall seeing Magic Johnson play. And another cautionary travel story from our time in the subcontinent. Another trip down memory lane. Let's go. So here we are again, Stewie. It's the 12th of June. And now we do know when we're going to upload these. We kind of thought about recording them and having them in the tank for a while and just uploading them as required. But after more than a year, we thought we would give ourselves a two-week break during the Olympics and we'll come back and reflect on the Olympics Every, after the fact. Everyone gets annual leave on their job, so <laughs> take yes. a couple of weeks of leave. And hopefully people liked last week's episode and we'll continue with that. We've got some more exciting performances and stuff we've seen live that we thought we'd talk about a bit more and a few other bits and pieces as well. But I thought I'd reflect at the top here on watching sport in enemy territory because last night my girlfriend and I went and watched the Swans versus Hawthorne game and the less talked about that the better as far as Swans fans are concerned. 26 to 10 free kick count. (coughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to blame the umpires, but that certainly didn't help. But the funny thing is, so basically our our local is the Inglewood and I've talked about it a few times. My favourite pub in Perth, love the place. 
But before we left, my girlfriend's like, and it's a bit chilly here too. So my girlfriend's like, oh, let's take your Swans beanie and Swans scarf. And she's not funny about wearing other colours. I'm funny about wearing teams' colours that aren't my own. But she, You know I'm not. I've, yeah. I've, I've worn your Swans beanie. I wouldn't be seen dead in an Eagle shirt. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when you die, that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> I better make sure my will uh, specifically states. Anyway, by the way, Stewie, if ever I do pass away, Sport blokes can continue. The sport blokes is bigger than any one individual. Find someone else. I can and see keep it now. Going. This week on the sport bloke. No, no, find someone I'm else. Lonely. We've got mates. No, we've got mates. <laughs> anyway, so we throw on the Swanee's beanie. She throws on the beanie. I throw on the scarf. And then we're halfway driving there and it's not a long drive. And I'm like, babe, I just realized the Inglewood is a Hawthorne pub. So obviously pubs have safe spaces for their fans. For the Swannies, it's the Irish club in Subi, or it was. I haven't actually been there for a few years, but it was at one point. So, of course, we enter what's basically enemy territory, the only two people in Swans colours in a pub packed with Hawthorne. It's dangerous. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite that fun a night in the end. But it made me kind of think about going into enemy territory for sports. I don't know if anything comes off the top of your head. Yeah, well, I mean, this one's probably not quite as bad as this because my team wasn't actually part of the competition. Ah, yes. We did speak last week a lot about how fortunate we've been going through a number of World Cups and the 2011 in particular in India. One of our good friends and I were fortunate enough to be in Mumbai for the final. We couldn't get tickets to the game. So we've thought, look, we'll find a pub somewhere. We'll sit down, have a couple of drinks and watch the game. So after a little while, we managed to find this really nice little pub. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a proper sports bar anyway. Sit down with a a bunch of the locals. We're drinking a few beers, watching the game. So it was India versus Sri Lanka. And about, I don't know, maybe halfway through the first innings, one of the guys at the next table had absolutely gotten smashed. And for some reason, he took a dislike to me. I don't know. I hadn't said or done anything to him. I just was aware that he was there. That was it. And so he gets up and he comes across to me and he basically starts almost chesting up to me as if he was going to have a swing. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, your team's about to win the World Cup, mate. Enjoy. And Australia's not even in it. You knocked us out in the semifinal (laughs) like a few days ago. And so I'm thinking, this is not great. I'm sitting here in a place I don't know with a whole bunch of guys I don't know. But then all of a sudden, four or five of the, the Indian guys at our table stood up and got in his face and was like, no, you leave him alone. He's with us. I thought, oh. That's fantastic. Well, being a good bloke pays off sometimes. Sometimes it does, yeah. So (laughs) I imagine you had a good chat with those lads throughout the course of the afternoon. Absolutely. And for all intents and purposes, I was an Indian fan that day. I I was actually barracking for Sri Lanka, if I'm brutally honest. (laughs) I would have been too. But but I was never going to say that out loud. It was really just, I just wanted to go along, have some fun, watch some good cricket, and that's what it was. So really, that's probably the only actual experience I've had being in enemy territory. So Aside from going to stadiums where you're the away team, of course, but we're really lucky in Australia. We don't have that soccer hooliganism or that you can go in your colours to another stadium and feel safe here. So. We've done that a million times in whatever state it may be or country or, Mm. yeah. But you've got a couple of particularly cracking ones. So, again, we we mentioned on the last episode, we say last week, we record it in April. But anyway, (laughs) uh, on last week's show, we talked about how the memory goes a bit funny. So, I thought it was the year you got married and that's why I was in Europe. But you've just told me it wasn't. No, it was 2014, not 2011. So, the 2014 World Cup and and my brother and I were over there for some metal festivals and I should almost start a metal podcast, but that's another story. Anyway. And so we were were staying in a place called Amersfoort, just outside of Amsterdam, because we were catching a bus there to Dessel for grass pop in Belgium. 
And it just so happened to be the day Australia were playing the Netherlands in the World Cup. So we went downstairs to the pub that was attached to our hotel. And we're, of course, the only Aussies in the whole place. And I was celebrating when the Aussies were playing well. And we actually got out to a really good start. I think, I feel like we kicked the first goal. We definitely went up 2-1 at one point. Yeah, so Iron Robbins, I remember he scored the first goal in that game. And almost from the restart, I think it was about 30-odd seconds after the restart, Timmy Cahill had a ridiculous volley from the edge. Of and we've the rewatched ball. the footage. It's magnificent. It's it's nuts. And we did actually lead 2-1. You're right. There was a penalty to Mila Yedinak, actually, 54 minutes in. There, and right? I think that's where I probably was like, yes, and like was probably quite demonstrative in my celebration. And then that equalised four minutes later. <laughs> well, I was going to say, though, prior to that, like the whole pub, if looks could kill, I tell you what, like the daggers I received <laughs> are like, and I didn't, I didn't feel physically unsafe but I certainly felt like an enemy well and truly and then as you say four minutes later they equalized and they ended up winning 3-2 and this is the funny thing so had we won I probably would have got a very frosty reception but because they won everyone wanted to come up and buy me a beer and shake my hand and say g'day and then of course I told them that I had a Dutch grandmother and so I actually had a really nice time at the pub afterwards but yeah that's that's another enemy territory story that came to mind after last night yeah and then the other one that I was really thinking of initially was something that we have spoken about on a previous episode, I believe. It was, yeah, we definitely have. Yeah, yeah. Good, good friend of ours and yourself going across to the Ashes in 2019 in England. Yeah, that's right. So he actually won a competition for the World Cup. So he had the best tipping. It was an ICC quick info. So it was a worldwide competition. It was an amazing win. And I was lucky enough to be brought along. So thanks again. I know he listens. Hats off. Love you forever, mate. That's what a trip. But the funny thing was, and look, again, never felt unsafe. Always had good banter, had really great chats with people in the crowd. Everyone seemed to want to talk to us. It was, it was a really lovely couple of days that we spent at the Oval there. But the best part of the whole thing, and I think I have told this story before, so I apologise if I'm repeating myself. But of course, it was around not too long after Sandpaper Gate. So we were getting a lot of flack for being Aussies and we we're wearing our colours and we everyone knew who we were Australian. You could have seen us from a mile away. But the best part of, and I think I have told this story, is sitting on the tube, this old fella next to me, and everyone's ribbing us for being Aussie because we're wearing our green and gold and, and having these great chats. And this old fella stays quiet the entire train trip until just before we're about to get off our stop for the Oval. And he reaches into his pocket and pulls out some sandpaper. <laughs> it was so subtle. The comic timing. Oh, it was fantastic. And me and him had a good laugh and, um, and our mate had a good laugh too. Was it Cameron Bancroft? Uh, no, some much older. Oh, a much older fella. Good, yeah. yeah, probably a member actually. But yeah, so so I haven't had bad enemy territory stories, but, but got, it's an got, interesting experience. But you got to go into the members section. We did. We snuck into the members with another Aussie bloke who was very brash, yeah. And I think we have told that story before yeah. as well. But, yeah, great experience, yeah, hmm. great experience. So, look, sometimes being in enemy territory isn't the worst thing in the world. Other times maybe it's not quite as... Uh... Well, as long as you're not belligerent and arrogant and rubbing it in people's faces, most people are nice. Most people have a banter, won't they? You yeah, know? and most people are smart enough not to do that. They yeah, just well, sit there quietly and yeah. enjoy it. So. Yeah, no, good times. Christmas in July. Who's been naughty and who has been nice? We want presents. Well, Stewie, it's that time of year once again. And to quote the voiceover artist on that Christmas episode of The Simpsons starring Gary Coleman, a yearly custom has become an annual tradition. It has. It's time for Christmas in July. So we did this on episode eight. And then we also gave out presents for Christmas proper, episode 29. But as this will be our last episode before the end of Christmas in July, we thought we'd give out presents again. 
there's been some naughty, there's been some nice, always more naughty than nice. And any athletes who think they're actually going to get real presents for being on these lists, you, you don't. We, no, no, we, we can't afford We it. don't have a budget. No. So, fire away, Shui. It's a old uh, subject of your bloody hell. Yeah, the first on our naughty list is the unnamed female from the Tour de France who decided that she would, you know, stick herself out a little bit too far onto the road and cause one of the biggest pile-ups the Tour de France has ever seen. Yes, indeed. Hello, Omi. Oh, yeah. dear. <laughs> so what should we get her? Uh, well, I was thinking maybe a stationary bike so she, she couldn't run away. She was a, uh, a, a fugitive, fugitive yeah. for like a week. Yep. So I thought that might be something she could have. You had another idea too, didn't you? Yeah, name tag would be nice. Yes. Yeah, we don't know what the We name still is. to this day do not know who she is <laughs> except for unnamed German female. Yes, yeah. So, so we'll give her both. Who knows who she is? Yeah, not her best work. No. Who's next, Nath? Well, Ben Simmons. And no, this isn't for skipping the Olympics. If he wants to do that, that's fine. We do respect people that feel like they need to skip the Olympics based on important reasons. But it's for passing up that massive dunk against Atlanta. And, well, if you ask the people of Philadelphia, basically blowing that series. The question is, well, is there a question? There's only one thing we can give him. Four and 20 pie. Four and 20 pie. It's not a big high five. He didn't hit enough threes. But we will give him a four and 20 traveller. But it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we give him one of the crap ones, like the mushroom and pea one. Oh, <laughs> mostly snouts and entrails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, over snouts and entrails pie. Oh, dear. And, and speaking of that, really, I mean, 4 and 20 probably belong on the naughty list as well. <laughs> okay, go on. But Well, certainly their marketing team anyway. They, they should absolutely be on the list for the hideous timing of releasing that advert. I mean... Can I, can I bump them down to the naughty and nice list? Because having guys like Stephen Bradbury was pretty funny. True. So the whole campaign is pretty good. So maybe, They just dropped the ball on Ben Simmons. Maybe their editing team there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, they should probably be given the present of, I don't know, an Australian that actually shoots threes. Yeah, I'd sign up Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills. Yeah. Joe Ingles, one of the best. Even Aaron players. Baines. Yeah, exactly. Just about every other player. Juop Reef. Literally. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not bad. Yeah, he he's took a three in, in the exhibition game. He's not bad. Chris Goulding, perhaps. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Now, the next one's a bit more serious, Chewy. Yes. Uh, James Roberts, who breached quarantine in Queensland, he nearly caused the entire exemption that was given to the NRL. To be lifted. To be lifted. That's right. Which is horrible. And then you also had Paul Vaughan, who hosted a barbecue attended by more than 10 of the St. George Illawarra players. All of this during a lockdown. He's got an eight-game suspension and a $50,000 fine. But what do we give him? Yes, and he's landed on his feet because the Canterbury Bulldogs picked him up too. But yeah, you're right. Chief Health Officer for Queensland, Jeanette Young, considered lifting exemptions for James Roberts. Which, should, think, which shouldn't have actually been given in the first place, let's be honest. Well, some would say. I think I think we need to give them, given it was a barbecue, Stewie, I think we need to give them a cookbook. And we noticed that former NRL player turned TV personality, funnily enough, Illawarra. It's a George Illawarra yeah. Player, yeah. Uh, Bo Ryan has written a book called Bo's Kitchen. So we mm. thought that uh, maybe James Roberts, Paul Vaughan and the other blokes would like copies of that. That would be a cracking book, actually, because he hosts The Amazing Race Australia. Which yes, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. has been around the world before, obviously, all the lockdown stuff happened. So he would have seen a pretty decent amount of the world going around with that. So his cookbook could be quite international. Yeah, that's mm. a decent gift. It is pretty good. Who you got next, Nate? Oh, Shuey, well, this one... 
This, this one's very interesting and it's very recent. So this one was today. The British team in the men's four rowing went off course and nearly collided with the Italian team. And at the time, they were in second place on the silver medal. They nearly ended up going the wrong way, like yeah. going, back, going backwards. It was- There's only one thing we can give them, mate, or two things. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking a GPS system ah, or, a, or a, a compass. A GPS is much better. I think that, that's much better than a cup of tea. Somewhat in that vein, we have another one, Stewie. Yeah, former Olympic kayaker and silver medalist Nathan Bagley. What in God's name is he up to? Him <laughs> and his brother Drew were found guilty over a failed plot to smuggle up to $200 million worth of cocaine into Australia. So, look, they're probably already getting a present from the justice system. They've been <laughs> given a non-parole period of 16 years, but what are we going to give them? Oh, Stewie, this one was a tough one. And look, I say this with my tongue firmly in cheek because I know it's not the same thing. But given we're in the Olympics, given we're kind of talking about rowing, okay, I, don't, I know kayaking is not the same as rowing. I was thinking maybe some Goulburn Valley fruit that the awesome foursome used to advertise. Well, it's probably better than the food they're going to get in prison. <laughs> so um, they can have as much as they want. Yeah, yeah, they'll have plenty of time to think about it. They can have a 16-year supply of it. Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. These always go so well, don't they? We always plan so much for them. Nathan, we need to move on. Who's next? Well, Moroccan boxer, Yunus, is it Baller? How do you say that? Yunus Baller, who seemed to bite the New Zealand boxer David Nieka's ear in Nieka's unanimous win in the boxing at the Olympics. So, sure you will. I know where we're heading with this one. What are we going to give you? I mean, we really... Can't take the, the moral high ground on this. We've got to go the low-hanging fruit. So he's uh, he's getting himself a signed copy of Mike Tyson's book, The Undisputed Truth, My Autobiography. <laughs> oh, oh, bi- biography. Sorry, I misread that. Mike Tyson's greatest bits. I mean, hits. <laughs> I think we could also give him a copy of Mike Tyson Mysteries because yeah. that's piss funny. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Some of the sound bites from that. Yes. I got you onto that tonight. You weren't aware of that. Before. I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a bit of a secret shame, I've got to be honest. No, yes. Yeah. Not so secret now. No. Now, as we have in other times, Shui, we've got a naughty and nice column, and we have two people that are kind of in the same boat here. Yeah, well, look, it's been a great time in the pool for the Aussies so far. Kaylee McKeon had a superb, superb swim after winning the 100-metre backstroke. She sure did. She was asked what she wanted to say to her family back home, and her response was, fuck yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's the best bit. The fact that when she realised she stuffed up for swearing, she swears She's again. covered it up by swearing oh, again. Yeah, it, it's just superb. And her mum, Sharon, said, swearing on TV, I'll, I'll have a word to her later. She's, she's enjoying racing. This is a testament to her, her hard work. Ask anyone in her training group. She'll push herself until she vomits. An absolute animal. And she got an Olympic record, so full credit to her. But also full credit to Joanna Griggs. I didn't know she was this funny. So she said afterwards, between the both of them, it's the first event we've had a C-bomb and an F-bomb in the same place. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, great reference there. I mean, poor Emily C-bomb. She's She's just had that name dragged <laughs> through the mud because of all because of all the hilarious swearing connotations. Ah, uh, yes. And it doesn't stop there, Nathan. No, that's right, Shuey. Adam Peaty, the British swimmer, said in a post-match interview after he won, it takes an athlete to be the best person on the day and who fucking wants it more. It just means the world to me. I knew it was going to take every bit of energy and I'm just so fucking relieved. Apologies for the swearing. <laughs> We do like a bit of a swear at oh, the sport blokes. We, like, don't, we don't mind it. We, yeah, we try not to go too overboard. Uh, look, I, I think 
there's there is an obvious present for them. Yep. A way one can improve one's vocabulary. Yep. Let's get them a thesaurus. Let's get them a thesaurus. Yes. So they can be like, oh, who hecking gosh wants it more? <laughs> Speaking of which, after Italy lost to Australia today at the Olympics, I got a message from you that said, heck yeah. Yeah. When have you ever said heck to me? All the time. Well, like, heck, what I, the hell? I, I, How do you like hit your limit or something? No, I'm, I'm trying out my, a new branch of, of non-offensive Ah, I see. Effectively. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, fuck that. Fiddlesticks that. <laughs> now, sure, we always struggle with the nice pile. We do have a couple, though. Holy shit. Novak Djokovic, we're going to put him in the nice pile. Yeah, well, we put Nick Kyrgios in the nice pile when we didn't expect to. So I guess this follows that. that... He's reached a bit of a purple patch of, of niceness. Been a bit of a larrikin at the Olympics. He has. He? He's been doing. Splits with the Belgian gymnasts or whatever it was, yeah. the synchronised swimmers or yeah. whatever it was. He's been nicely watching Ash Barty play tennis and being supportive to her. He just hasn't done anything douchey for a while, mm. which is nice. No one's copped a tennis ball to the throat. <laughs> so, yeah, what do we give him? Oh, what do we give him? Last time we gave him the Pete Evans machine and a signed copy of Ain't No Party Killed Nobody. But what do we get him this time? I'm dumbfounded, Stewie. COVID jab. <laughs> He's an anti-vaxxer. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll give him a COVID jab. Stealth COVID jab. That's what you get for being nice, Novak. Novaks. But thank you for being nice. Yes. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same Credit time. where credit's due. And we've got a cracker to round it out in terms of goodness. Yeah, Cosy Pickett surprisingly identified to the umpire off a snap that it was touched. Yep. Now, easy to do in a five-goal game. It's got to be said. But still, yep. it's not something that you see players do. Mm. And anyone who's willing to give up a goal, I mean, okay, it probably would have been overturned anyway, but someone who's willing to give that up, I I dare say. Oh, I know what you want to give him. We give him the premiership. Well, it's been a long time. 1963? 64. 64. I made that mistake again, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> I was one year off. It was decent. It's a decent memory. Yeah, well, you know, it's, yeah. it's been a long time. Yeah. Was that 57 years? It's been a long time. We, uh, we could think, think of worse teams to win. I think, yep. Give the Demons the premiership now. Thank you, Cozzy Piggott. Merry Christmas, Chewy. Merry Christmas, Nathan. <laughs> I want presents. This also comes out of the recent story about Adam Goods deciding not to accept his entry into the Hall of Fame. Is when is it okay to boo? So we've talked about in the previous episode, is it okay to call your team we or refer to your team as we? And then we also talked about the power of negative thinking, which is a real thing, I assure everyone. And let me tell you, the Wildcats game two semifinals today, so I'm thinking very negatively at oh, the yeah. moment. We'll lose by a few. Yeah, I will lose by a million. Yeah, unquestionably. <laughs> <million>. No chance. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion because, again, as we talked on the episode when it happened, he was booed absolutely mercilessly in an unprecedented fashion for more than a season. Is it okay to boo? And if so, when is it okay to boo? Is it taboo? Taboo. Ah, like what you've done there. Yeah. Like what you've done there. It's, it's funny because we were talking about this before we hit record and it, my view on booing changed so much from when I was a teenager, you know, under 10 even when we yep. first started watching sport. And booing used to be a sign of respect. You think back to our early days and the obvious one that comes to mind is Andrew Gaze. Yes. So this goes back to those days when we had the membership at the old Perth Entertainment Centre in our early teens. And, yeah, we would just sit there and boo him relentlessly. Yes, because, myself too. But not because we hated him. Because we, uh, I think I hated him. 
well, because I, he destroyed us. Well, yeah, there was that ninety-three grand final, and he was just the best player. Like, I think we were possibly misunderstanding what our feelings were. Well, I, we're just I, young. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think we were mistaking hatred for actual respect. Yeah, I think yeah. we dead set just respected the fact that he was by far the best player that. Oh, that and and now I think he's an absolute national treasure. I love Gazy. He is just an absolute legend. A legend. Yeah, coach of the office chair. <laughs> paper tossing. Sports bet. They've got a good run out of those sports bet ads now that yeah. it's been two years of a lead up to the They've Olympics. They've done all right. But no, going back that far, it was very much a case of you would boo the people that you respected because they were killing your team. Yep. And you wouldn't boo them every single time they touched the ball, though. No. That's no, got to be said. No, no, no. But if they hit a big three and maybe remonstrate with the crowd or something like that. I mean, the other obvious one is Corey Homicide Williams. Again, Perth fans didn't have a great start with him, but now I think he's quite beloved. Absolutely. Uh, given his broadcasting and everything, and and he's liked one of our tweets before. Thank you again, Corey. Shout out. We might try and interview him one day. We'll see how we go. Would be, would be great. It we'd would love, be very great. love to have a chat with Absolutely. Corey. Yeah, we would. But yeah, definitely, you're right. It, it wasn't every single possession. And one of the things that you mentioned in episode 53, Missy Higgins. The last one we recorded proper. Yep. When we were talking about Adam Goods. We were speaking about how there are certain ones. So, like LeBron James, when he came back to Cleveland, Cleveland yep. after he left for Miami, yep. every single time he touched the ball, the crowd were booing at such a level. I don't think I've heard booing like that before. There's context there as well, Stewie, of course. He had that recording, The Decision, on ESPN, and people were burning his jersey in the streets and all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. Quit, quitness and... Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. The uh, the Lion King and all of those, <laughs> all those really, really great analogies. Well. But then there was, you know, the Kevin Durant coming back to Oklahoma City. And, and there have been so many of these other ones, with, especially in the NBA. It yep. seems to be a big thing in the NBA where people will boo for an entire first game that the person comes back and then it just gradually wears, wears off. Yeah. And I'm actually okay with that. So I'll put my hand up. I do boo a little bit. So I will boo the refs if there's a bad decision. Uh, if, if someone, for me, the booing is normally when someone's done a dirty act. So they might have clobbered someone behind play and whether or not a foul has been called, but they've done something dirty. The crowd will get on them for the rest of the game. I'm actually okay with that. I don't think that's a problem because there's a reason for that booing and it's a justified reason. Yeah. Whereas the good stuff, I don't think the reason was justified to boo him mercilessly every time he touched the ball for over a season, you know? I, I dare say, that, as, as I mentioned in that previous episode, I don't think that the people that were booing him necessarily understood the full story. Yeah. I think there were a lot of sheep involved in oh, that yeah, as well. Big time, big time. There was a lot of talk about the incident with that 13-year-old. Yeah. For people that don't maybe remember that. Watch the final quarter because, again, he said so many times, this is not about her. Yeah. Let's not make her the victim. Let's not point the finger at her. Like He but, wanted her to be okay. But even so, there was still, you know, I had a look on social media when the information came out about Good saying no to the Hall of Fame. And every second comment was, oh, but what about the incident with the third? Of course, because they haven't seen the documentary and they probably don't know the more of the the wider context. And there's there's I dare say there's probably willful ignorance on huge some people's amounts, part. So yeah. Huge amounts. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of these things that sort of go into, I guess, potentially the reason that people felt like they, they were justified in booing yeah, it. Yeah. And personally, if a bloke did clobber someone at a game, I might boo them. I, I'm not one to boo every time they touch the ball. I might boo them the next time they touch the ball, but it's definitely dissipated by the time the next time we see them. I'm definitely not booing. I might only boo three or four times during any given match. Using the AFL as an example here, and it's one that I talk about a lot, unfortunately, the Fremantle Dockers supporters boo Andrew Gaff every time he touches the ball because he, yeah, yeah. he broke Brayshaw's Context, jaw. yeah, yeah. 
And you know what? As an Eagles fan, I don't have a problem with that because he has done something horrific yeah, to yeah. it. And I mean, they probably should get over it, though. I think there's a short, I don't know, to me personally, there's a short termism to the booing, which I'm okay with. Mm. It's the really long term stuff, which is a bit, it, it gets a bit nastier the longer the time goes on, I think. And yeah, yeah a bit more insidious. Yeah. yeah. Would you boo now? Do you boo now? I mean, I don't really boo anyone now. Yeah. I think I'm at that stage. We don't, I'm life. thinking back to that game we went to. Sorry to cut you off there. It's all right. I'm, th- I'm thinking about that game we went to against Melbourne United earlier this season. I don't know if we really booed per se, but we probably yelled like, oh, come on, that's not the right call. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's more just making noise in a, ne- in a and, negative and fashion. I think I feel like the older I get, the more I've kind of, I've made my piece that the umpiring in particular it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. There's going to be calls that are missed. Yeah. I can sometimes see why an umpire would miss something or not call something. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll certainly yell out if I, I feel there's a particularly it's the obvious, egregious ones. Yeah. yeah a particularly yeah. obvious foul or a, a four foul. meter kick that is paid a mark. Yeah. Well, I mean, geez, if they're playing, paying that in the NBL, there's a problem. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I must admit, I, I've certainly moved away from booing. I just, it's yeah. not something really that I think it doesn't really have a place yeah. outside of, as we said, the context where a player has left in this horrible blaze of shit and then, and then come back and is basically rubbing it in, in their face yep. that I'm still amazing and your team's now subpar without me like, yep. like what lebron did in cleveland yeah or yeah. someone's draymond green punches someone in the balls you're gonna boo him for that well i'll boo draymond green regardless because <laughs> you're not a massive fan. well yeah well, i mean he kicks Steve he's Adams one of the, the dirtiest players in the competition yeah. yeah 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 so no definitely I, I don't think it has a place i, don't, I mean i'm assuming you're probably a, of a fairly similar viewpoint yeah look I, I like i say i think it's okay on a short term every now and then i mean my girlfriend hates it she hates it when whenever we go to the footy and she hears a boo she bristles like yeah. And, and fair enough, she, maybe she's a better person than I am for that reason, because sometimes there will be an egregious umpire decision that I can't help but have a winch about. But yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week, it's an interesting one. It takes <laughs> us back to our time in India in 2011 and back to the streets of New Delhi where we spent a few days. We're not actually on the streets. We had a hotel for the Yes, we did. Yes. Thankfully. Yes. yes. But, uh, yeah, one of the horrible parts of our trip involved a scammer. Mm. Now, this, we have to say before we even get into this, has nothing to do specifically with India or, or New Delhi in particular. This can happen to anyone, anywhere. Oh, yeah, people will take liberties in any country in the world if they feel they can, if they feel they need to. Let's face it, there's a lot of poverty there too. Yeah. Now, we were still in our 20s at the time. Yeah. Being 2011, I think we were, what, 27 years yeah, old? Yeah, maybe we should have known better, but maybe we were just naive and forgiving and A little just, bit. Yeah, yeah. So we were walking out on the streets, making our way across. I think we were heading off to go and see the, the Red Fort, and we got approached on the street by a gentleman sort of saying, oh, where are you guys heading? Oh, yeah, this is what we're planning on doing. Oh, cool, 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 yeah. That's probably not the best way to go. And we thought, oh, that's nice of him to tell us. He said, look, best thing to do, my friend's a travel agent. Jump, well, he's, he's a jump in a tuk-tuk that yeah. we've got here. He'll take you around for the for the day. And the first thing he did was take us to a travel agent, which, again, that should have been a warning sign for us, but this is uh, obviously a cautionary tale that, that mm. we wanted to, to sort of share with people. And this isn't totally sports, but it was on a sports trip. So, yes. yeah. So we sort of got talking to this guy and he said, oh, you know, what are your plans over the next few days? Oh, cool. We're jumping on a train. 
uh, in a couple of days' time, heading from Delhi to Agra and then from Agra to Varanasi. And he starts asking us these questions. Oh, what sort of ticket have you got? We said, what do you mean? He said, oh, have you, have you got a tourist ticket? Because you guys are tourists yeah. and, not, and not, not locals. Yep. You might have purchased a local ticket. I'm sort of thinking, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm not sure, but he was you know, very convincing. Oh, look, and I'll put my hand up. I was the most believing of the three of us. I think our mate was probably the most sceptical. You were probably in the middle. I was sort of, yeah, close to him, I think. And, then, and basically the guy sort of said, look, here are some new tickets. They come to the equivalent of about 400 Australian dollars, which... For a journey of that length, didn't really sound over the top. It's funny. I don't remember it being that much. Like I don't remember the figure. I don't. I, I don't. It was about four hundred. Yeah, that seems like a lot, doesn't it? it, it yeah. Well, when you think about the distance, though, I mean, one, yeah. one was an overnight sleeper training. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I forget the specifics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From memory, mate, I think the guy was kind of selling us on Rajasthan as this beautiful royal city. When, Jaipur, yeah. Jaipur was it? Jaipur, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So, and we knew Warney played for Rajasthan, my favorite IPL team, and it seemed like, oh, okay, we could squeeze in a little bit more. Tourism here that we hadn't planned. Yep. Yeah. But so we went back and we thought, oh, because the guy was saying, look, cancel your tickets that you've got. They're useless. You can't do anything with them. And so oh, I'm not really sure about that. We'll go back and do that at our hotel. So we asked the tuk-tuk driver to take us back to the hotel. And we asked the, the, the guy at the hotel, look, this is what this guy said. And he just looks at us. He's like, nah, nah. I don't even know. I think he was just a really friendly guy. And he said, oh, how are you guys doing? What have you got up to today? And I think we told him what we got up to. And he, he had his red flags up yeah, straight away. Like, now that's dodgy. Yeah. So we went straight back and we walk in and they're like, oh, you're, you're back. And we're like, yeah. You've, we want a refund. You, you, you've, <laughs> you've scammed us here. You need to give us our money back. And we were swept upstairs into yeah, this Yeah, taken this away from, from the other viewing public of other people being scammed probably at the time. And we went upstairs and they had the money laid out it, like they were expecting us to come back. I thought they were stage. drug dealers, like the little table upstairs counting out their money. Yeah. It was a weird, whole thing was weird. But the problem it? was they gave us the money back in the equivalent of about no, notes, <laughs> yeah, notes worth about 10 to 15 cents. Yeah. So we're walking out with a wad of cash that was like five inches thick. <laughs> <laughs> so I get back to the hotel room and we look like, yeah, absolute gangsters with all yeah, this money. Yeah. It was like, this or is gamblers like, or something. Maybe a couple of hundred bucks basically yeah. by the time we were done. Well, and I remember when we were walking out, I kind of kind of whispered in the ear of someone kind of, oh, watch these guys, we're a bit dodgy, we've just got a refund. And, and the lady was like, oh, thanks, you know. Mm. So, yeah. So, yes, definitely a cautionary tale. And as I said, definitely not to put people off going to India. It was a beautiful country and, and we did have some amazing experiences and great stories. Amidst, Just don't be naive like us. Yeah, amidst <laughs> the naivety and the, the sickness that you, well, you yeah, and I both yeah. copped. Yeah, that's true. But it, look, it is an amazing place and the very vast majority of the people that we dealt with were absolutely spectacular. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like we said, you could be scammed anywhere. Literally anywhere. But yeah. uh Yes, for us being a little bit naive and nearly blowing a decent amount of cash while we're in Delhi, all I can say is, Kusit Narak, bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, Shui, following on from last week's episode, I call it last week's, it's really weird, yeah. like it's playing with my mind, given we recorded it at the end of April. But following on from last week's episode, we thought we'd keep going with some of the great performances we've seen in person. Yeah, so... Obviously, basketball is our big love, one of the things Absolutely, that we yep. make no secret of. Yep. So there's really probably a handful of things. Now, a couple of them are experiences that we've been able to share, and there's a couple that are kind of independent of, of each other. So, It's funny because we were talking about this before we hit record, 
And for blokes that have probably got, what, a combined 15-plus seasons of season tickets to the Wildcats across three stadiums, Perth Entertainment Centre, Challenge Stadium and Perth Arena, it's funny how few experiences we can remember off the top of our head, isn't it? It all kind of blends into one another. And that's a perfect lead into this. There's really one particular experience that really stands out from a Perth Wildcats point of view, and it's nothing to do with a season ticket. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and we, we keep mentioning this same friend. Who, yeah. Oh, he's, he's been so great. Very generous. Yeah. So <laughs> We love you, mate. So this friend, <laughs> this friend actually managed to win a couple of not quite courtside tickets, but in the first couple of rows, Right down. Oh, they were effectively courtside. Yeah, I think we it were was like, second row. I think we were the second row courtside. Yeah, you could see us on telly. Put it that way. Yeah, it had been won through uh, through a radio competition, and yeah, he's not a massive fan the way that we are. And he said, "Look, do you guys want to go along? Awesome." So we went in and yeah, had a great time. We're sort of watching this game. It was a very high powered Melbourne United team. I feel like it was their first. It season. was the first season they played. Yeah, that was yeah. When Todd Blanchfield played for them. Oh, and, okay. And a, and, yep. a, and a few other guys. And I'll tell you what. I was a bit worried going into that game because they were one of the top of the table teams. Yeah, Daniel Kickett was dominating for them at the time, I if I'm not. was, yeah. And Chris Gording was a great player even then, yeah. They actually had Hakeem Warwick on that team oh, as well. that's right. They did too. And Stephen Holt, that was the other import they had. He was actually playing really good ball coming into that game. And so we're sitting there. Yeah, as I say, the game sort of starts off. United get off to a little bit of a lead. Jermaine Beal was very quiet, had a scoreless first quarter and was sort of thinking, oh, could be a long night. And then, bang, explosion. And then, yeah, just one of the most amazing performances you would see. 33 of his 40 points in the second half, 10 three-pointers yeah. in a 40-point game. Yep, Jermaine Dollabeal. And, and it got to the point where, you know, you and I, we've seen a lot of basketball. We could see it coming. Yep. And I remember, I think it was his ninth three that he hit. He hit maybe two or three in the previous couple of minutes. And he managed to get a steal from the blind side against Chris Goulding. And as he crossed half court, I stood up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stood up. And I think you can see it in the footage. You can. Yeah. I, I'm stood up with the three point, of the, like the three fingers in the air. And he pulls up. And as soon as he did, I put my head back because I knew it was going in. Yeah. And sure enough, all net. Yeah. It yeah. was just one of the most ridiculous explosions you could imagine, basically. Like he just, he went ballistic. And he was hitting him from four or five feet. Yeah, from the line, like yeah. proper deep NBA range. And they were looking for him too. They were feeding him. They wanted him to get, because the game was blown out. So the Wildcats were going to win comfortably. So then it kind of became all about how many will Jermaine score in the end. And one of the actual things that is completely forgotten about in that game, because it had really nothing to do with the actual result of the game, Todd Blanchfield, who now plays with the Perth Wildcats, he had a breakaway dunk in that game and he missed it. I, th- I don't know whether he slightly slipped on, oh, his, slipped on his jump. I don't remember this. He missed the dunk and basically landed on his head. Oh, and I, I do not remember that at all. I believe he left the game concussed with that. Oh, it, it there was, you go. It was a really, really ugly landing. So, oh, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, that was obviously an amazing experience getting to be there courtside. And I remember him being really fatigued by the end of the match. And we also, as it, what came with the tickets is we got to go to the, oh, what do you call it? Well, it's, the, it's the, the it's captain's like, club or whatever yeah, it's called so afterwards. The members. Yeah. Room, and we actually got a photo with him and had a brief chat with him. Very quiet guy. I didn't get much out of him. I think he was very knackered he and was, everyone wanted a piece of him yeah. because he had such a good performance. Yeah, we actually felt a bit guilty asking him yeah. for it, but you, you got to make the most of that. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah, that was obviously a a spectacular performance. It's just come to me another great performance I remember getting. So we were upgraded to courtside seats one time. You weren't, unfortunately. 
I think we've talked about this before too. Uh, yeah, we? I was with with one of my good mates from primary school. I was we were on at the his, farm. At his farm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was against Townsville and Derek Rucker. And I think he blew us up for 40-odd or he had a magnificent performance and he was juring with people in the crowd. I think it was Scotty Fisher's brother was sitting courtside and he was juring with him. Oh, that was a fantastic performance. What a player he was, of course, as well. But what's better than 40, Nath? 65 is better than 40. Yes, it sure is. It sure is. I was very lucky. So I've only been to one NBA game in my entire life. So this was on our World Cup trip. We went to the States before we went to the Caribbean for the 2007 World Cup. And we went to one ice hockey game and one NBA game, the only of each I've ever been to. The ice hockey game between the LA Kings and Edmonton Oilers was really good too. We happened to jag this game, Portland Trailblazers at the LA Lakers. And we've kind of gone back and I have scans from the LA Times. And so we've looked through the box scores and the news articles and everything. At the time, the Portland Trailblazers were 26 and 39, but they had a good team. A young Brandon Roy, Zach Randolph, LaMarcus Aldridge, so they had some guys. You spotted there Luke Shensha with a DMP CD on their yeah, bench. Former Perth Wildcat, Townsville Crocodile. Adelaide 36er. Yep. He's a, a South Australian by birth, if I'm not mistaken. The Lakers were 34 and 32. They were coming off a seven-game losing streak. And they'd only got in at like 4 a.m. or something because there were plane issues we saw yeah, in the article. I then. think the plane left and about 15 minutes later it had to turn around because there was some sort of issue with the mechanics of the plane. Yeah, 4.30 in the morning they got in. That is brutal. Which makes it even more impressive. So that team had Kobe Bryant, Lamar Odom, Kwame Brown. And then not much else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not much else looking at it. So That's why Kobe went for 65. Yeah, and the Lakers, I mean, yeah, Portland had a better roster than the Lakers. I think a lot of those Portland guys were quite young at the time. But absolutely, he went for 65. He had 23 points in the fourth, seven in OT. That seven-game losing streak that I mentioned happened to be Phil Jackson's longest in his career at the time, and maybe ever. We haven't uh, looked that up. The Blazers were actually up seven with a minute 30 left. But in that 65, Kobe had eight threes, none bigger than the two he hit right near the end. Well, the one I actually remember, funnily enough, and it's one that, that you said really stood out to you, it was in the overtime, and he's basically run into a double team right in the corner. Yep faked to drive baseline and basically spun back sort of out towards the sideline and hit this crazy, almost a fadeaway three. And this is a bit of a funny story and a joke amongst our friends, one of our friends who brings it up all the time. Just before he took the shot, I went, no, because I knew he was going to hit it. You just, it just, you could just feel it. You just knew it. So I'm like, no. And so our mate all the time is like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, of course, he hit the shot. Yeah, it was magnificent. Mm -hmm. And so they won the game 116 to 111. So talk about a performance to Jag, my only NBA game. And I'd love to get to more. Obviously, my girlfriend and I were thinking of going to the States before the whole COVID dramas hit. So I don't know when we'll get over there. And I was hoping to go to a Spurs game while some of the greats are there. That might not happen now, including Pop. I'd love to go to a game coached by Pop. But anyway, so yeah, what a performance to see live. Incredible. Phoenix did beat them 4-1 in the first round of the playoffs, though. So. Well, they're probably lucky to even make the first round looking yeah, at that roster. <laughs> definitely. Mind you, though, that was the same year as Golden State in the, the We Believe Warriors that beat Dallas in the... Which is partly why the Spurs won, because the Spurs didn't have to worry about that, I think, 67-win Dallas team, yeah. and the Spurs swept Cleveland. Yep. Tony Parker, MVP, yeah. And I didn't get to see it because I was travelling at the time, so I had to kind of watch everything after the fact. Yeah, yep. yeah. Good times. Very, very lucky. I've got a quote here. So this is from the LA Times uh, on the 17th of March, the day after. Nate McMillan was coach of the Portland Trailblazers at the time. Kobe had probably one of the best games of his career. 
What can you do? A guy's fading away with two defenders on him, three feet behind the three-point line with a hand in his face. Yep. <laughs> Says it all. It's very, very true. And, you know, one of many shots that Kobe hit in his career that made you go, no. Now, you've got one, Stewie. We'll go from one Laker to another. You've got one that, uh, well, special one too, let's face it. It involves Magic Johnson. Yeah, you got to in, see him live, yeah, which is very impressive. Back in 1995 now. This is another one of those ones where the mind played tricks on me for quite a number of years. I always had it in my head that Magic Johnson was playing for the Harlem Globetrotters and he came across and played against the Boomers in the lead up to the 96 Olympic Games in Atlanta. But I was wrong. He was actually playing on Magic Johnson's All-Stars, which was a bunch of college slash ex-NBA players that sort of came across. And look, it was a phenomenal game. I I remember us getting up at about two o'clock in the morning to go and line up to get tickets. That's dedication. Which we managed to get, which was good. But yeah, the, the game, again, I remember it going to overtime and I just had in my head that Magic had hit a hook shot three to tie the game. But it was just a regulation three, nothing. It was a bit of a heave, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, little, I mean, Magic's shot, shot was, yeah, was yeah. never really... Yeah, not that, as bad as Giannis. It wasn't that so. pretty, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but no, he hit this three and the All-Stars went on and beat the Boomers 117 to 109. Magic had 38 points in that game, but... Scotty Fisher was playing for that Boomers team. He did. And the biggest thing that I remember from that game, though, was just being so confused. So I'm sitting there as, you know, a 12-year-old. Year seven, yeah. Thinking to myself, why are so many people barracking for Magic's All-Stars? You're in Australia. Yeah. And I just had no concept of of the outside world or why people would barrack for one of the greatest players, probably the greatest point guard of all time. Oh, you're so lucky you got to see him live. That's magnificent. And and I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, why is everyone barracking for this American team when you're in Australia? But yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I would have been going for the Boomers. I still would today if I, yeah. But no, it's interesting. it, It was, yeah, it was a really, really great game. And yeah, I mean, yeah, great to not just see Magic, but also see him make a just an incredible shot over a, a really good extended hand. And there's some good stuff on YouTube about it, actually, isn't there? There is. I think the yeah. entire game is on there, actually. So yeah, or like extended highlights or something. Yeah, yeah. So you can sort of go back and see it. So, yeah, that was a pretty decent boomer side. I, I don't know if it was a full strength side because it was an exhibition game. But yeah. Um, I think the likes of Ricky Grace and Scott Fisher and a lot of those guys got extended runs as we were. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There might have been a few more Wildcats players because it was in Perth maybe. Mm, But uh, no, still a a great experience. Oh, mate, I'm jealous. I wish I got to go to that game. That's magnificent. And hey, well, let's talk about ones we've missed or or regrets in the sporting world. So I nearly bought tickets to that game where Bryce Cotton had 45 in the deciding grand final against Illawarra. That will haunt me forever. And that was a big one. Just bought a house, feeling a bit poor. Yeah. I know the feeling well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and look, ditto for me with the Kevin Lish game. So I I look at going back to when Kevin Lish joined the Wildcats. He had a really sensational game three. I believe it was against the Hawks. Uh, hit this crazy deep three-pointer at the end of the third quarter, which pretty much told everyone in the, the stadium, this championship is ours. Yeah. So yeah. that's one I certainly do regret. I mean, look, it's easy to regret, you know, the AFL Grand Finals. You know, for me, the obviously the win over Collingwood a few. Well, years it's back. hard to get to the other side of the country, and it's hard to get tickets, and the, yeah, that's that's a difficult process, especially when you're not a member and you don't have the uh, Grand Final provision in your ticketing. Although I will tell you what, from what I heard on the news last night, 
if it can't be played at the MCG this year, the uh, the Perth Stadium is leading the. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that would be very interesting. Leading the push, there. yeah, yeah. Yep. So it might might be a grand final in Perth. You never know. That being said, of course, I know people. So I know a couple where one is a Collingwood supporter, one's an Eagles supporter. In fact, I know two couples in this scenario where the bloke is the Collingwood supporter and the female is the Eagles supporter. They both were over there, and even though they couldn't get tickets to the game, they were just in Melbourne just to soak up the atmosphere. Yep. Yeah, and see the parade and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, potentially you go over there and see what sort of scalper prices there are. Well, that too, I guess, yeah. People that are members with other teams might be selling them. But, yeah, it's uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, again, going back to that same friend of ours, he's a a Fremantle supporter, went across. Yeah, yeah, went to that Hawthorne grand final. 2014, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, obviously lost the game, but he said the experience was just next level. It was yeah. one of the most amazing things to be a part of. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. The other miss for me, and I can't remember if I've talked about this before or not, but it's notorious in my family, is so when I was a kid, you know, going to the Wildcats, probably only got to go to one game a season because it was all my parents could afford and it was a real special treat. And so we went to this game. Again, it always seems to be against the Hawks. So it was the Illawarra Hawks they were at that stage. So we've gone back and looked at this one. In, in my memory, it was an inbounds pass after a score, but we found the video on YouTube and we'll post it in on Twitter or something when we upload this episode. It was actually off a steal. And it was the margin was ridiculous. The Wildcats were up by 25 at the time. And so with only a couple of seconds left, I thought, okay, well, it's over, you know, the quarter's done kind of thing. So it's known in my family as the minty game. It wasn't actually a minty, but I decided to reach down and have a Sherby to eat a Sherby. <laughs> and of course I missed it. And it's great in the footage. You can see like the whole crowd erupts. Everything goes nuts. Well, the whole crowd except for you. Now. Well, yeah. So I was about 10 at the time. So my old man has been giving me shit about this for nearly 30 years. <laughs> it comes up all the time at family dinners, you know, a few times a year. Because so. he's, he's a diehard one. Well, oh, it's just a funny story, isn't it? But uh, yeah, good times. Good, good times. Time. And it's great that you found that video. It was good to watch again. Yeah. You've got another one. Yeah, this one actually takes me back to my own playing days back probably 15 years ago, I would say. So there was a stadium that you and I actually used to play a lot of juniors, the the Joondalup Stadium, which unfortunately has now been demolished. Yeah, a couple there we spent many hours of our life at in the teenage years. We did. And so this is, yeah, as I say, going back about 15 years ago and one of the, the teams that we used to play against was absolutely loaded with these star sort of state player sort of guys. At the time, we had no idea who they were. We just knew they were very good players. Mm. And so we're playing in this grand final. And look, we were down by, I would say, seven points with about a minute to go. And this is in the days when every game was a running clock except for the grand final. So, ah, you, so yes. you, you could actually play the foul game. Because you got to men's by then. Yeah. So yeah, you could yeah. actually play the foul game. So about 50 seconds to go, I hit a corner three to bring it back to a four-point game. After a couple of fouls and a few ensuing free throws, we managed to get this thing back to, I think it was a two-point game with about 15 seconds left. And we fouled their point guard who had been super cocky. And when we committed the foul, during the foul shots, they actually used that time to sub out their star player. Basically, it's like, oh, let's give him a standing ovation because he'd had a great game. Okay. Now, Getting ahead of themselves. Now, their point guard missed the second free throw. Mm. So it's a three-point game. There was very few seconds left at this stage. I don't know what I said before, but I think it would, it would have been maybe a handful of seconds left. And so I'm standing at our own three-point line, and one of our guys has got the rebound. He's thrown it to me, and I've managed to just catch it ahead of where the defender was. Basically, 
take two steps and off off one leg basically threw up this sort of off balance almost fade away three. Oh, the old Rex Chapman circa Phoenix Suns. Basically a Rex Chapman in the mid 90s. And I nailed it. Nice. And it took the game to overtime. Nice. And I'm sort of like puffing the, the chest out and like, yeah, you would know, have been like, loving it. And one of the guys, to his credit, one of the guys from their team came across and he like patted me on the back and he said, man, great shot. That's insane. You had your own little Kobe corner three, mate. I did. Basically. And then we lost in overtime. By uh, <laughs> so, well, you're playing good players. Yeah. So as it turns out, though, the star player who was subbed out was Greg Hire. Yeah, very nice. Greg Hire of Perth Wildcats fame. Who with, had a great career. Who had a really, really great career. And, and look, at that level, he was head and shoulders above the rest of us, not just in height, but also in ability. So, yeah, that's my little claim to fame is hitting the, the crazy three against Greg Hire's team. Greg wasn't even on the court at the time, but it doesn't matter. No, no. You played against Mike Ellis. You played against some good Did, players. Yeah, yeah, there was a team called the, the Has-Beens that had, uh, yeah, Mike Ellis, Glenn Ellis, Eric Watterson, so a lot of the ex-Wildcats players, and they were a great team to play against. They, they didn't quite move as fast as they did, but they were very cerebral in their play. Ah, uh, of course. Great mid-range games, those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. and again, if you had a good game against them, they would come up and shake your hand after the game, give you a pat on the back and say, man, well done. I remember playing men's in Adelaide and playing against a team that was chock full of state guys, which was real bullshit because I think it was B or C great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, one of them threw this pass an inbounds pass from half court to a guy who did a backwards alley-oop. It's a play you'd see in the NBA. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know who that guy was, but you've just reminded me about that. Interesting. All right, sure, you know what that music means. It's the end of Blokes Banter 2. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's an audible and a half. <laughs> you've thrown me. Nah, look good. <laughs> Always good fun to take a trip down memory lane. It's uh, yeah, it's great to chat about different things and different experiences and different thoughts. Indeed, and we're going to be recording Blokes Banter 3 in about five minutes. Give so time. listen again next week for a continuation of this where we'll talk about a whole bunch of things. And sorry for saying last week so many times. Oh, yes, indeed. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes. <laughs>